Has everybody gotten down their tree and Christmas decorations? Is everything put away? Who has not? Awesome. So I thought I was the only one. We have done nothing. Um, all of our stuff is out. The tree, the wreath, the decorations scattered throughout the house. We have an eight-foot uh, tall inflatable nutcracker head in our yard that's both festive and kind of scary. Um, and our nativity, of course, is still out. Christmas decorations can sometimes lead to family disagreements, can't they? We're passionate about this stuff, and we've got definite opinions when it comes to how we decorate for Christmas. Is it fun, multicolored lights or classy white lights? Do you want to divide the room? Does one side go this way, the other side go that? Here's another divisive question. Real tree or artificial? <laughs> when to put out the decorations and when to take them down? Does your Star Wars Baby Yoda and a Santa hat go along with the overall theme or motif of our Christmas tree this year? And the answer is no. So if it doesn't, what we do, let's compromise. How about you put it on the back of the tree? How does that sound? We had an interesting situation this year in our house when one of the wise men in our nativity went missing. Heather noticed and asked Sasha and me, hey, what happened to the third wise man? To which Sasha quickly replied, there were never three wise men, there were ever only two. Heather said, no, I'm sure there were three. And so they went back and forth a few times. I was silent. Do you know why? Because we've had this nativity set for years. I remember Maya and Sasha playing with it as little girls. But I'm silent because even though this nativity is beloved in our house and has been a part of my life probably for more than 15 years, I have no idea how many wise men there are. But I can tell you there's a camel. While Sasha is questioning Heather's mental faculties, and Heather is accusing Sasha of gaslighting her and abducting or absconding with the third wise man, the drawer directly below the nativity is open to reveal the missing magi. He had just fallen in accidentally. This year, if you're Facebook friends with longtime Southwest member Kathy Screws, you followed the daily mischief of Kathy's cat, Sonny, who was terrorizing her nativity with daily kidnappings. First baby Jesus, then a sheep, and finally Sonny was caught red-handed, cuddling with Mother Mary under the Christmas tree. During the Christmas season, nativity characters sometimes go missing, whether it's Mary, a sheep, baby Jesus, or one of the magi. Yesterday was the Christian holiday of Epiphany, or Theophany, or Three Kings Day. It celebrates the occasion of the star leading the three wise men, or magi, to visit the Christ child. God manifested or revealed himself to the magi. Epiphany is not a holiday that most of us have experienced or celebrated, but we have sung about it. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. And then the, the best part, how long we hold the O. Oh, Star of wonder, star of light, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. That's the first of three times I'm going to sing today. I'm not joking. 
Um, we're also familiar with another song connected to Epiphany and the celebration of the Magi meeting the Christ child. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. Did you ever stop to wonder what's this all about? 28 birds, 50 persons, and a tree? What 12 days of Christmas are we singing about? Any of y'all celebrate the 12 days of Christmas? The 12 days of Christmas is the period from December 25th, Christmas Day, to January 5th, Epiphany Eve. Yesterday was Epiphany, the celebration of the Magi following the star to the Christ child. Today is December 7th, and we are going to talk about Epiphany. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Messiah who was to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I'm going to stop there, but if you keep reading the next 11 verses, an angel appears to Joseph and tells him to get up and take Mary and baby Jesus to Egypt because King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Joseph obeys, and they stay in Egypt until the death of Herod. When Herod realizes that the Magi, uh, they followed Super Tramp's advice and took the long way home, he is furious. If he can't identify the one born king of the Jews, he's not going to leave anything to chance. Better safe than sorry. Herod takes matters into his own hands and kills all the baby boys two years old and younger in Bethlehem. Christmas was one of our family's favorite times in Ukraine because Ukrainian churches followed the Julian calendar for holidays. Today, January 7th, is actually the day we celebrated Christmas in Ukraine. One of the things we looked forward to most was singing Christmas songs in Russian. Most of the songs in our Russian hymnals were sung in minor keys and sounded kind of sad to American ears, even though we were singing about joyful things. This includes Christmas songs. But there was one Christmas song in particular that, that kind of flipped the script. It sounded really happy while we, sat, while we sang about something really sad. The song is called On Christmas an Angel Arrived, and here's how it sounds. Rajdisvo Christova, Angel Prilitel, on Litel Panebu, Ludim Pesni Pil, Se Ludi Likuti, Se Din Tarjisvuti, Din Christova, Rajdisvo, Se Ludi Likuti, Se Din Tarjisvuti, Nith Christova, Rajdisvo. 
So each verse of this song is from the viewpoint of a different nativity character. The angel, the shepherds, and the magi. But then there's a twist. Herod gets his own verse. And then the happy tune doesn't quite match the sad lyrics. So now I'm going to sing the Russian tune with English words, and it's going to go horribly, so I apologize. The rebellious Herod learned about the Christ. He sent a bunch of soldiers to murder all the babies. Babies, they were a-killing swords. They were a-dulling, but Christ was safe in Egypt. Babies, they were a-killing swords. They were a-dulling, but Christ was safe in Egypt. Those are tough words to sing joyfully, aren't they? In a happy little tune. But it's part of the story. And it fulfills two different prophets, prophecies. One from the book of Hosea and the other from the book of Jeremiah. And that's all the singing. That was the three times I'm done. No more singing, promise. Three prophecies about the coming Messiah are filled in this story surrounding Jesus and the Magi. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, and he was. He will also come out of Egypt, and he did. And finally, there will be weeping and mourning of Jewish mothers for their children who are no more. And there was. So who were the Magi? How have you heard them described? Wise men, astronomers, kings, magi? How about magicians or sorcerers? These 12 verses that we just read is all that we know about them. The Gospels of Mark, Luke, and John contain no mention of the magi or their visit. From these verses, we know that they were well acquainted with the stars and the night sky. At night, all I can do is point out Orion's belt. But when a new star appeared in the sky, they noticed it. In the text, they aren't referred to as wise men or kings. They are called magi, magi from the east. But magi is not an English word. Magi translated to English means sorcerer or magician. And magi is the root of our word magician. So sorcerers from the east see a new star in the sky and they follow it. And somehow it has been revealed to them by God that the star was leading them to the Jewish Messiah. Quick aside, at the very moment I was typing this portion of my sermon, my phone rang. You're never going to guess who it was. It was Michael from Three Kings Roofing. <laughs> Not making that up. Michael from Three Kings Roofing. I don't know what that was all about, but I can tell you with certainty that if I owned my own home, it would have a new roof next week. The Bible doesn't tell us how the Magi knew that the star was leading them to the one born king of the Jews. And quite honestly, I'd never thought about it before this year. Other folks have thought about it, but no one has a good answer. As I was looking around, I stumbled upon this on the Billy Graham website. They have kind of a question and answer page. And here's one of the questions. Where did the wise men come from, and how did they know that the star they were following would lead them to Jesus? And did they ride camels? I am 10 years old, and I've always wondered about them. This 10-year-old punk putting me to shame, asking questions I hadn't think about until, I, you know, I'm 52 years old, and I just thought about it last week. We don't know if they rode camels, but remember, I know that there's a camel in my nativity. We don't know how God spoke to the Magi, but we know he did, and that is exciting. 
It's exciting and comforting to know that God at this very moment is at work all over the world in ways that we don't see. God is doing things right here in Coweta County that we are completely oblivious to. Praise God. His Holy Spirit is constantly at work and on the move, even in places where it might seem to us that he is absent. But don't believe that lie ever. Back to the story. Herod is rightfully disturbed by his meeting with the Magi. They are looking for the newborn king of the Jews, a challenger, a replacement, a divinely appointed usurper to his throne. And so he calls together all the chief priests and teachers of the law to find out where this baby was born, Bethlehem. So he sends the Magi to Bethlehem and says to them, hey, no big deal, but if you wouldn't mind swinging back through Jerusalem on your way home, I'd love to hear about your trip. Let me know how to find this child myself so I can go and worship him too. Super excited, delighted to meet you all. Have fun, be safe. And then he sends them on his way, on their way. And they continue to follow a moving star until it stops over the home of Mary and Joseph. When I think about the Magi following the star, I can't help but think about GPS. I don't know how many of y'all remember the big 50-state Rand McNally map you could buy at Walmart that we used to use to get across the country. And I also remember printing off directions off of MapQuest. Y'all remember MapQuest? And forgetting to print the reverse directions. The star feels more like Google or Apple Maps though, doesn't it? And isn't it amazing how blindly we follow these directions? Turn left here, you sure, really? All right, I guess. From the story, it sounds like the star led them to Herod's palace in Jerusalem. And I'm guessing they thought they would find the child there, but they didn't. They're instructed by the biblical experts to go to Bethlehem to find the Messiah. The star goes ahead of them, leading them there until it stops, and they realize with joy that their journey is coming to an end. Do you think they paused and checked their star maps as they turned toward the more modest side of Bethlehem? I think we might have taken a right back there instead of a left. Do you think they paused and looked up at the stars they stood in front of Joseph and Mary's home? Are we positive this is the right house? I wonder if they weren't a little disappointed as they stood in front of Mary and Joseph's home. It wasn't what they were expecting. This was certainly a long way away from the palace in Jerusalem. But they entered the home and found Mary and a toddler named Jesus. And they bowed and worshipped him. This is Epiphany. Remember I said yesterday with the holiday Epiphany? It's a holiday to celebrate this moment when these magi, these sorcerer astronomers from the east, are face to face with God and they do what every one of us would have done in that situation. They bowed down and worshipped him. Many of you right now might be asking yourself the deep, important, biblical, theological question, so what? Why does this matter? What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with us? And that's a really good question. So what is a great question. It's biblical and theological. We don't celebrate Epiphany. I don't think we have any plans of celebrating this year. So what's the significance for us today? Epiphany signifies that Jesus the Messiah, the King of the Jews, is also the Messiah, the Savior for Gentiles as well. If you're not Jewish, 
you're a Gentile. This is good news for us Gentiles. This encounter is evidence that God's plan of salvation extends to all. It even extends to sorcerer astronomers from the East. It points to a line from our early Christian hymn that Paul records in his letter to the church in Philippi. This is Philippians 2.10. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we think about an epiphany, um, a good definition is just an aha moment. It's that moment when the light bulb appears over our head and we suddenly understand something that we didn't understand before. When I was a kid, I played a lot of YMCA soccer. The position I played was defender, which meant that the coaches spent a lot of their time during games yelling at me uh, to move up because of the, the offsides rule. I remember standing and looking at them thinking, why are you always yelling at me to move up? I had no clue. There's no telling how many times a coach tried to explain the offsides rule to me during practice, but no matter how many times or ways they explained it to me, the next game they would be yelling at me to move up. Until one day, the light bulb appeared over my head, and I had an epiphany. I had an aha moment. I finally understood the offsides rule and why I should move up. That's a lowercase e epiphany, a small epiphany. Helpful then, not so much now. But understanding who Jesus is and what he has done for us is an epiphany with a capital E. That's life-changing. And that's what the Magi experienced when they were face-to-face -face with the child, Jesus. So one verse left, my favorite verse actually in this story, verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. After this life-changing encounter with the toddler Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, they went home a different way. I would argue that they arrived as magi, as sorcerers, magicians, astronomers, even kings, but they went home wise men. They went home forever changed. And that's what happens to all of us when we have our capital E epiphany that capital E epiphany moment, and come face to face with the realization of our sinful nature and our need for a savior. We recognize who God is and what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and we're forever changed. Faced with that knowledge, we make a decision, either to ask for forgiveness and name him Lord and savior of our lives, or to say, no thanks, not now, not yet. Close with another nativity story. When I was a student at Georgia Tech, I was involved in the campus ministry there, uh, the Georgia Tech Christian Campus Fellowship, a ministry that was started by this church and Rick Harper. At that time, the campus ministry consisted of two small houses, a guy's house and a girl's house. One of Heather's roommates, Tracy, set out a nativity on the fireplace mantle for Christmas one year. I lived in the guy's house at that time, and we terrorized her nativity. Baby Jesus was kidnapped multiple times. Ransom notes were left. Gumby and or stormtroopers would appear among the shepherds. 
And a couple of times, Tracy would find a Lego figure or cookie monster lying in the manger. Needless to say, she was not amused. The campus ministry at Georgia Tech, known as CCF, changed the course of my life. When I arrived at Georgia Tech in 1989, I wasn't interested in God at all. I wasn't an atheist, I wasn't an agnostic. If anything, I was just apathetic. I started attending events at CCF solely because my girlfriend at the time, Heather, wanted to go, and I wanted to date Heather. I started attending events at, I'm sorry, each Thursday as soon as Bible study was over, I was out the door with a campus minister chasing me down the sidewalk to say goodnight. It was through CCF that I found Southwest when Rick took me to church with him. CCF gave me my first taste of missions with spring break trips us to CMF, the missions organization that we worked with for over 22 years in Ukraine. Rick, the campus minister, married Heather and me in 1995 at Southwest on Washington Road. I had my capital E epiphany at CCF when I first asked God, what do you want to do with my life? Over the Christmas holidays, I was offered the opportunity to be the next executive director of CCF at Georgia Tech, and I accepted. I start on June 1st. Uh, so I'll remain on staff here at Southwest until the end of May. I'm excited to return to the place that made such a big impact on my life and on Heather's life. I'm excited to work alongside Heather again, and I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing on the campus of CCF, on the campus of Georgia Tech. But I'm also sad. I wasn't looking for another job. I love my job here. I love Southwest Christian Church. Southwest Christian Church has been investing in me since 1990. You supported CCF while I was a student at Tech. I was the Wednesday night dishwasher back in the 90s with Ramona. You supported Heather and I for all 22 years we were in Ukraine. When we were forced to come back to the States, you found us a place to live and offered me this position as young adult pastor. I love this church. Southwest has been a blessing to me and my family for over 30 years. When I was offered this position to work at Southwest, honestly, one of the main reasons I accepted was that I wanted to work with Craig and with James. Quick story, uh, my father passed away in 2014. Uh, his funeral was at Antioch Christian Church all the way up in Canton, Georgia. And I didn't tell very many people about the funeral because I didn't want them to feel obligated to make the trip to attend. When the funeral was over, I stood up, turned around, and looked around the room, and there near the back were Craig and James. I don't know how they heard, but they came. And that's who they are. They are true pastors and shepherds. They are followers of Jesus, inviting others to follow Jesus with them. It's been an honor and a privilege to work alongside and learn from these two godly men. So thank you, Craig. Thank you, James. And when you think about it, CCF at Georgia Tech is just an extension of Southwest. So in a way, I'm not leaving. I'm thankful to each and every one of you for your love and support and encouragement. And it has been an honor and a blessing to serve you. That's enough about me. As the worship team returns, I want to leave you with a question.
Have you had a capital E epiphany? Have you come face to face with the knowledge of who God is and who you are? We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we all also have access to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Today we invite you to come forward if you have a decision to make. Amen.